And hello and welcome back to episode two of the Capital Edge podcast. It is AJ and Jono here. Jono, another week has gone by in the property market. Absolutely. Yeah, plenty happening this year. I can't believe we're already halfway through February. It's flying. Now, I said that a little tongue-in-cheek because the property market is basically changing every week, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. With interest rates rising, um, rental vacancies at a record low, uh, you know, people looking how they can still create wealth through property. And there's still lots of opportunities out there as we discussed in the first episode. Now, before we get on to our topic today, which will be rent vesting, I know we touched on it a little bit last week and you've had your own experience uh, being a rent vester, but let's let's have a chat about the property market at the moment and I guess the, the media's doom and gloom, uh, I guess, for purchasing uh, properties, and but also um, why it is actually a really good time to be a, a property investor and a landlord. Yeah, well, as you know, there's a massive rental shortage all around Australia of properties, and this has led to a, a unique position. Yes, there's certainly um, some issues for investors with interest rates, which is reducing their borrowing capacity. But what we can do is we can find properties in the level or the price point that suit all investors still. It's just a matter of being a bit creative, looking outside the square, maybe looking at regional, maybe looking at smaller homes. Um, and we can still find some awesome opportunities. And in the market, there's a lot of reasons why property prices go up. A lot of people think it's just interest rates, interest rates, interest rates. So we look at a lot of things here at Capital Edge. We consider you know, the demographics, what's happening in Australia. We're almost back to the same level of net migration as we were before the pandemic, which is putting pressure on housing prices with, you know, new immigrants, tend, they tend to be younger couples, people who have good work skills, you know, people who are qualified, and they're going to be into the property market and wanting somewhere to live. So that's pushing prices up. We've also got government policy in Australia, like the government basically encourage people to get into the property market through incentives. They ran building incentives during COVID, but they're still running first home buyers. They still also offer most importantly, which we utilise with a lot of our clients, is depreciation. So you're basically letting the tenant and the government through your tax return pay for your investment journey. So there's all these other factors that are contributing to putting pressure on um, house prices. Supply and demand is another massive one. There's nowhere near enough DAs, or that's development approvals, for houses through council and also for new land. So again, when supply isn't enough and demand outstrips it, more pressure on prices to go up. And I think the final point, like you were saying before, with the increase in interest rates, unfortunately, that's really hurting the first home buyer. So what happens then is they have to rent pressure on rents to go up. So people that are landlords and can get into the market, and we'll discuss rent vesting shortly, are going to actually have a lot of those increase in interest rates offset by an increase in rent. And we're seeing that everywhere, as you know, from your own property uh, in Rochdale. Yeah, absolutely right. It's been an amazing uh, growth period for rent returns. That's for sure over the last few months and and even uh, six to 12 months, uh, really. But now let's just before we do move on to the rent vesting, let's let's have a little bit of a a thought about why we focus on property education. Um, I know we've touched on it a little bit in the first episode, but we do have a huge focus on educating uh, potential clients or or individuals or groups or anyone that wants to know about the the property market because we all aspire to own a home. Unfortunately, uh, for a lot of people at the moment, it's unachievable, but they don't know the different options that they can uh, obviously take to own a property. Now, 
we a lot of people and, and we've spoken about this that um, that do uh, investment properties. People think that that is just away from their own occupier, which the fact is, if you can't have your own owner occupier in a in a place where you want to live, well, this is where rent vesting comes in, doesn't it? Absolutely. As you said, the landscape's changing. The old Australian dream was, you know, work hard, save your deposit, buy your house, pay it off, retire. Now, there's a couple of things wrong with that whole model now. The first one being getting into the market. It's so expensive. If you want to buy where you're living, you know, a lot of people, you're from down the peninsula, you want to buy down that way, you know, your house, median house price is up over 900000 to a million. You're going to have to save for a 20% deposit. You know, that's 200000 plus 70000 in stamp duty, 270000 to get into the market. Whereas rent vesting is let's rent where we want to live, with our, where our heart is, and with our head, let's make smart investment decisions. So we can buy investment properties. As you mentioned, I had two investment properties before I bought my own home. A, I was travelling, I was working in Perth, then working in Brisbane, didn't know where I was going to settle down. And why, as a young person these days, financially it just doesn't make sense either because you tie yourself to a big mortgage before you know, am I going to get married? Where am I going to live? Am I going to have a partner? Am I going to have children? Why not leave that flexible? And then also, as we mentioned with rent vesting, the best thing is you get your tax deductions as well. The hardest debt to pay off is your own mortgage because it's after-tax dollars with no tax deductions. So getting into that sort of trap, things have really changed. And it doesn't mean, as you pointed out just then, you can't be a property owner. We've just got to look at different ways of doing it, especially for young people. And we'll touch on a bit later, there's also ways that they can be helped out through with their parents or you know siblings or depending on what situation the family's in. Yeah, absolutely right. And, and it's the education that we probably need when we're, you know, 18, 19, 20, because at the moment, there's not a lot out there. Uh, I, I don't think and I guess people start to get a little bit, um, I guess, concerned with where, who, where or who they're listening to about the property market. We know the media has been very negative towards the interest rate uh, rises. But as you mentioned just there, about the different options in getting into the property market. Now, I know from from your um, your past and, and and being a rent vester that uh, explaining those options just there really needs to be thought about by the youngsters uh, who will be looking towards their first investment or, or purchase uh, in the next few years. Because, like you said, if you're living in an affluent suburb, it is very unachievable at the moment to get a deposit up and then we also forget about stamp duty so mm-hmm. how about you just run us through a little bit of an example uh let's say someone who's 25 26 and they want to buy their first house around here in mentone uh they've they're they're saving but do they actually know how much they need to save and, and i'm sure you'll be able to run through the numbers now yeah well like you said Part of Capital Edge's promise is to get, deliver education. So we sit down with people and educate them about property. So it's not, we don't have any stock, we don't have anything to sell. What we want to do is try and help people learn about property. And it's one of my bugbears is people often leave school these days and they haven't been taught any financial acumen. You know, they've learned history and science and English and maths, but they haven't actually learned. Uh, you know, how do you buy a property? How does the share market work? How do you create wealth? And I think, um, you know, hopefully that's sort of changing in the curriculum, but I'm showing my age. It certainly wasn't when I was younger. So you leave school not really understanding these sort of 
um, business acumen or what to do, especially in the residential property space. So in answer to your question, if a person is looking to get into an investment property, there's two ways they can do it. Uh, one is to save up, you really need, I say, about seventy to $80,000 to buy your first investment property. So that's sort of your 10% deposit. We can talk about lenders' mortgage insurance later, but you'd pay a little bit of LMI. And for seventy grand, that includes you know your deposit, your stamp duty, your legals, and you've got a property now built, ready to go in you know six to ten months' time and ready to rent it out. And it's got you into the property market. You're learning about budgets. You're learning about managing your cash flow. You're learning about tenants. And you're just renting with a mate where you want to live or a couple of mates or you're still at home with your parents. The other way, some people go, well, I don't have $70,000. If your parents have good equity in their home, you know, if they own 50%, 40%, 60% of their home, they can often support the child into their first property through what's called a guarantor loan. Now, a guarantor loan is awesome because a lot of people get scared by it thinking we've got to pull out 100 grand or 70 grand, as I said, and give it to our child to buy a property. That's not the case. What will happen, and numbers are a little bit hard over a podcast. I normally write this down for clients and we go through it because it's quite visual. But if you're um, doing a guarantor loan, uh, basically, you don't have to give the child anything uh, and they will basically buy a property with 104%, you know, 100% deposit, or sorry, 100% loan and 4% for your costs. So they're left with their mortgage. If they bought something for 500000 their mortgage will actually start at 520000 because they've borrowed the costs. The parents, all they're doing is using their house as security. They haven't given the child a cent. Um, we can go through the ways that the actual person as the guarantor is protected, and a lot of things would have to go wrong to, for there to be an issue for the guarantor. So A, your child would have to stop paying their mortgage um, and, you know, through the rent coming in. If they did that, then you'd have the opportunity of taking it over. Uh, if the bank then did want to foreclose because no one was paying the mortgage, they'd sell the property. Then if there was any shortfall, they could come after the guarantor. But so far in my, God, 15 years doing this, I've never seen a guarantor loan go south um, from my client's perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Now, compare that to someone wanting to buy their own home, let's say, like I said before, around Mentone. Yep. Well, to put apples with apples, to be fair, I can't say a 20% deposit. Yes, you can buy your own home. Let's say a 10% deposit. You're probably looking at, I'm actually looking for a client at the moment who's looking at upsizing a little bit. And we're looking around 1.1 million for, you know, a nice three bedroom, two bathroom, double lock up townhouse. That's not even with a very big land component. So you're going to need 110,000 plus about 60,000 in stamp duty. So we're suddenly looking at 170, $180,000 instead of 70, 75. And that's the the big kicker, isn't it? That people uh, are so gung-ho into wanting their own home to have that security, and I don't blame them. But in this day and age, and the old adage is, you know, the best time to buy property was yesterday. So for people to get into the market, it is through this rent vesting option. Absolutely. And as we just looked at with those numbers, it's almost a double-edged sword because if someone goes, yes, I want to save up the $180,000 to buy my own home, and that's going to take them, if someone could save really, really well, you know, three or four years' time, then they're looking at 1.5, 1.6 million. They need to still have another 40, 50 grand. So they're probably still a year away from their own home. Whereas if they've gotten the market at 500, 550,000, they've got their investment property in four or five years, that's now worth 7750. So they've made 200 grand in equity as well, which could be their deposit 
on their actual real home. Or, you know, you have two or three investment properties before you buy your own family home because you don't know, as I said earlier, where are you going to live? Are you going to have a partner? Are you going to have children? All this sort of thing. So why tie yourself up into that big mortgage? And that's another good point is if you did buy your own home, you're going to have a massive mortgage. So you're going to be 24, 25, 30 with a $900,000 million mortgage Whereas rent vesting, you've got a mortgage that's very affordable, you're getting your tax deductions and you're getting the tenant pay most of your actual um, repayments. And I guess when to be a devil's advocate with rent vesting, maybe in the past um, it might have been a bit risky with getting something you know not in your area and it was out of your control and, and having uh, people coming in and how long the property would sit there vacant. But touching on it... Uh, with the, the vacancy rate across Australia at the moment, uh, we don't have too many concerns about renting a property. Absolutely. All of the um, vacancy rates in Australia are massively at record lows at the moment. There's a shortage of rental properties. Uh, your property, so in Star, what did your rent just go up by to let the listeners know? <laughs> yeah, I think it was about $130 a week. It went up to market value. Now, people... Uh, could turn around and say, well, that's being really greedy. Uh, I would say I, I agree with that if it was the same tenant. Um, however, we had our tenant move out. Um, they didn't re- renew the lease. So uh, we were able to put it to that uh, price point because it's market value. It's not going and hitting the the tenant straight up with a, with a huge increase, then forcing them to move out. Um, and this unfortunately does happen from time to time. And we're seeing that uh, recently with um, the amount of pressure that we've had on on rentals and, and what it's done to the, the price that you have to pay per week. So um, another reason why uh, rent vesting and, and building the property is the key is because it, the Capital Edge product that we source, uh, like you said, we don't hold the stock, but we source the, the, the project uh, it's a full turnkey uh, property and just to explain to the listeners, Jono, what a full turnkey property is. Yeah, this is really important. When you get an investment property and there's lots of reasons why we build for 70, 80% of our clients if they're moving forward. Sometimes we have a home that's finished. Sometimes we have a project of townhouses that are finished, but normally we will be building on your suburban block. Three reasons. One, we save on stamp duty. We only pay stamp duty on the land component. So Rough figures, if you're paying 500000 it's a $200,000 block, $300,000 build, you'll only pay stamp duty on 200000 so it might only be five or six grand. The second one is, there's no hidden costs for the investor. Because it's brand new, you've got your warranties on, you know, your range hood, your dishwasher, your air conditioning, your hot water system. It's not like buying a property that's 20 years old and suddenly the tree roots are affecting the plumbing and you've got to come up with five grand. And the third one, and the most important, is your depreciation. Now, if you build brand new, you can depreciate all of your fixtures and fittings off your tax um, over the first six or seven years, plus you get the life of the construction of the actual bricks and mortar over 40 years. So there's three really good reasons why we construct. In answer to your question, a full turnkey product is when it's ready to be rented the day it's finished. So, you know, the tenant is ready to move in. Everything from clothesline to blinds to letterbox, all those little things, paths, driveways, Everything is ready to go, so there's no hidden costs. I could talk, we might do another podcast on reasons why to do a turnkey product and not try and save some money and do the paths, driveways um, and all that sort of thing at the end yourself, landscaping, fencing, 
it does just become a nightmare with another lot of tradies onto a site, which is hard to do. And I've had a lot of clients who have come to us say in the past they've done that and they'd never do it again. They want a full turnkey product. Absolutely. Now, let's have a think about uh, buying uh, with your head. Uh, A lot of people, some times get concerned about if they're living in Victoria and then they purchase a investment property interstate um, with your connections around Australia uh, you don't just go and source uh, builders or um, people who have uh, the, the stock uh, or who are able to get the stock um, you know them personally We're, we've dealt with companies for a number of years so it's not like you're going to a random builder and saying please can you do this package for a client you know the the work that these people do yeah we work with a group of trusted builders and partners and depending on where we're sourcing for a client i'd always talk to a client if someone says i need something in victoria i'd want to know why firstly and sometimes i might say because i want to be able to go past it or i want to be able to manage it myself or i want to be able to do the maintenance myself and we can talk to you for hours about why that's not a good idea so it's really as you said it's with your head so it's where the figures work we want to look at you know low vacancy rates percentage of owner occupiers in the suburb proximity to the infrastructure that's going to make the property values go up such as transport recreation, entertainment, sporting facilities, schools is probably the most important one. So we will talk to the client about where, with their borrowing capacity and their budget, where we're going to get the best bang for our buck and the best property. And that may well be in Queensland or WA or South Australia or regional Victoria, or it may be in Victoria. So that's really a discussion to have with the client when they come in for an information um, and learning session with us. And that's where we'll run through where we're going to purchase them and why. The other major thing is rent return. In Victoria and New South Wales, where prices have you know run amok over the last five or six years, if you think about your own house, a lot of people up there or your own suburb, say, as you mentioned, Mentone, here, median house price is around a million dollars. The median rent's about 600. So that's not a great rent return for an investor because everyone buying in Mentone or, you know, 85% of the people are owner-occupiers that want to live there. So they're doing that, as you said, buying with their heart, not with their head. So why would we want to spend a million dollars to get 600 a week rent when we can spend 600000 in Perth and get 600 a week rent and not have the size of home and everything that comes with a million-dollar townhouse where there's a lot more things that can go wrong and cost you money? So we've got to look at that rent return as well. And another thing to look at, uh, I guess, with interstate purchasing as well is the property cycle. Uh, you've mm. been very hot on uh, property cycles for a number of years. And just to explain what what it is meant by a property cycle and what happens in uh, areas when it's time to go. Yep. Well, they basically talk about a 10 to 12-year property cycle across all states. So they say in 10 or 12 years, property prices are going to double. Now, if we can try and pick that a little bit better, it's only going to add to our wealth creation and the growth of our property. So I pushed southeast Queensland, apart from the last 18 months. Before that, prior to that, I pushed southeast Queensland for about six, seven years because it had been flat for five or six years. There'd been no growth whatsoever. Now, it took me about three or four years to actually get that right, but now all of our clients are reaping the benefits of getting into that market that is now cycling. So, yes, when your property, if you buy something for 500000 and it's worth a million dollars 12 years later, it doesn't go up at 7% every year. You might get 
four or five years of very little growth and then it goes crazy for a couple of years and then settles down again. So that property cycle is really important. That's why we're really loving South Australia and WA at the moment. WA has been flat for probably seven to nine years until the last 12 months and it's really starting to hit its cycle. So um, from a personal perspective, which is interesting because people think Melbourne's always been hot and Sydney. I bought a property in Derrimut in 2010 for $345,000 Within the first five or six years, I got it revalued and it had gone to 400,000. So you think, well, I've made 50 grand in five or six years. It's not that exciting. In the next three years, four years, it went up to 600,000 and was sold in 2010. So you've got to be in property. I say it's a get rich slow scheme. You're not buying property for one or two years. If people tell you you can make money that quickly, when you do have entry and exit costs, even the way you know we encourage our clients to do it, there is still a little bit of stamp duty when you're selling, selling fees. So we want to hold property, really, we want to be holding property for at least five years to make it work as a vehicle for wealth creation. Absolutely. And let's uh, delve a little bit further into some of the you know projects that uh, you have seen and, and the success stories. And I guess um, recently we've had a, a, a client and uh, their partner uh, purchase in WA who are living around the Mentone area. They're renting uh, their house here because it's close to the school that the kids go to and, and close to work and, and things like that. They're close to the beach. They want to stay there. But it's the same adage that what they've done is gone and invest in WA uh, with something that's going to um, produce them a good rent return but also good growth. And they've been able to continually rent here in Mentone so the kids haven't had to move. Yeah, they've actually been very lucky. The one negative of rent vesting, which we don't, we like to look at every side or both sides of the coin, could be the owner might want the place back to sell, to move back into themselves, and you might be moving. But you can also limit the risk of that by signing a two, three, four-year lease. Also, though, that puts implications on you because you might change what you want to do. So, But you can look at that sort of thing with a landlord if you want to give yourself that little bit of security. But yeah, they're a really good example. They came to me about or probably two and a half years ago, and said, we want to buy our own home, Jono. What do we do? We're living paycheck to paycheck. We can save money. We're about to start. We're serious. And I went through what it was going to cost them to buy their own home. And they're like, that's going to cost us five years, six years to save that sort of money. And I said, well, you save 70, 80 grand. They came back to me six months ago and said, Jono, we've saved our 75 grand. Let's get the investment property. So they're now... Um, you'd be across it better than me, how close they are to completion. It's probably about halfway built. It's a Bayside suburb, new train station going in, close to schools, facilities, right near the water, and that's going to do fantastically for them. It should be finished, what, in the next sort of few months? Yeah, absolutely. And and the, the key to their uh, purchase was the the size of the house and, and the land component. We see a lot of, uh, I guess, projects that uh, come across our desk by um, external uh, people and at the moment and, and, we, and we have a laugh at this that you know some of the the houses are, are being um, put out there a hundred and forty square meters of house yeah it's tiny whereas these ones in WA they're 240 square houses 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. You've got your four bedrooms, two living areas, under roof al fresco, double lock up garage. And we want the house to be something that people are going to want to rent. Also, we need the way you're going to create wealth, and we can go into this you know, down in other podcasts, but it's when the bank revalues it at higher price than they've paid for it. And then that gives us our equity to call on to get property number two underway. So we need to make sure we're delivering a product that is actually going to grow in the market, not a shoebox, as you often say when we look at them and say, you know, 130, 140 square home, you know, they're tiny. Now, there may be horses for courses. If you've got a very small borrowing capacity and there's a block and there's an opportunity in a suburb where there's, you know, a lack of supply, but generally, yeah, we want a good-sized home, the four bedrooms, a double lock-up garage. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they're going to do really well in the years ahead. Now, let's have a little bit of more of a discussion on equity. And obviously, you get your first investment property potentially as a rent vester. Uh, let's say that, uh, that you purchased it at five hundred thousand. Let's just go with easy numbers. You know, three to four years down the track, it, it's now valued at seven hundred thousand. What can uh, someone do with that equity in their house? So the magic number is eighty percent that the bank let you pull out of the property. So as you said, it's suddenly gone to seven hundred thousand, eight sevens. A fifty-six, so five hundred and sixty thousand. And if you owe four fifty, that means you've still got one hundred and ten thousand dollars now that you can pull out of that project to help create more wealth. So the beautiful thing is, if you pulled out that hundred thousand dollars, you might need another seventy, eighty for your next property. Keep twenty in your pocket. You know, you might be looking for to buy the kids a car or buy yourself a car or you want to go on the overseas holiday. This whole wealth creation journey isn't about eating, you know, potatoes and water for the rest of your life. Enjoy the journey. The same thing I've said to a lot of clients when they get their tax return, you know, someone on 60, 70, 80, $100,000 now will get a good eight to $12,000 back at tax time for holding their investment property. Now, for sure, put that towards a deposit on the next one or you know, go on an overseas trip, enjoy life as well as creating wealth. And it gives you that vehicle to do that. Absolutely. And hopefully that can, like you said, either leverage themselves into their second investment property, or it does make them a step closer to potentially buying their owner occupier, which which is something that they may want to do. Exactly. And I'd, as I said, talking about from personal experience, I had two investment properties before I bought my own home, which suited me perfectly. I lived in like a, a, an apartment in Perth, in a city. I didn't want to buy that. Uh, and then in Brisbane, rented, and then eventually purchased, um, you know, got the equity out of those two properties to purchase my own home. So, you know, it's a definite great stepping stone. And we can go through in a lot more detail if a client wants to come in and chat with us, see us in person. We'll go through with how the numbers work and how it's a lot better financially, especially if you're earning a salary to rent vest than to be trying to pay off a mortgage where there's no tax deductions of your own home initially. And that first, you know, 18 to 30 years of age, I will argue to I'm blue in the face of how good rent vesting is financially. Absolutely. And I guess with Capital Edge, exciting news over the last week or so that we've done a bit of rebranding and we mentioned off the top of the podcast that uh, we prefer to be seen as property education specialists and our, our main focus is the, the, the education in the property market for potential clients or potential investors. Now, when someone comes in to see Capital Edge... What is the difference between Capital Edge and educating the client than other people who do a similar thing like us? 
a lot of people out there, and I've in my book I refer to it, they're project marketers. So if anyone ever talks to you about investment property and you know how to invest, how to create wealth, and the first thing they start with is actually trying to get you to sign contracts on a property or presenting a property, they will most likely be project marketers. So they're trying to sell the new set of um, apartments that they're building in Dandenong or the 20 townhouses they've put into Coburg or the 60 blocks they've bought out at Red Bank Plains in Queensland that they want to sell. So they're going to tell everyone that this is the best product since sliced bread and how good it is. We're more about talking to our client about their personal circumstances is number one. What are they doing? What are their plans? What are their goals? What do they earn? Um, What are they paying in tax? What, how many children have they got? What are their plans? And we want to work with them and see if property is the right vehicle to get and reach their goals. We sit down with a lot of clients and you know talk to them about property mightn't be right for them. You've got to have a certain temperament also to invest in property. You've got to be prepared to deal with tenants, deal with solicitors, deal with banks. It's not easy, but I don't know any other way, as we spoke about earlier in the episode with that property that I bought and sold in Derrimut, how I could have saved $250,000 in 10 years. And ideally now, I put 150 grand off my mortgage and keep 100 of it to replace the investment property with another one. So they're sort of the, the tactics we talk about down the track of an exit strategy towards the whole thing. So it's really about that education. We're very happy because we know that however many people we sit down with, a certain amount are going to want to do it, a certain amount aren't. But I've never had anyone leave our offices or leave a meeting and say it wasn't worthwhile and they didn't learn something. And that's what we want to do. And we'll sit down, as you know, with... You know, if we, we, we are involved with a lot of local sporting clubs, cricket clubs, football clubs, and a lot of the people when we present to them that are really keen and want to do something are the young kids there. When I say kids, you know, 20, 22, 23, but they don't have the deposit. But we're very happy to even talk to them so they can think about a plan or a strategy to put in place. And they'll come back to us in two years' time if we do the right thing by our clients and we help educate them properly. Absolutely. And that's what I was going to touch on is the education sessions that we do for sporting clubs or businesses, uh, community groups. Some people might think, oh, well, that's a property seminar. This is all going to be about the sale. Um, What am I actually going to, to get out of this? Run us through quickly what uh, Capital Edge will do in an education session and why it is important for people to be across everything in the property market and it, not just about uh, the what a real estate agent might say because they're obviously got to sell the, the houses that they have on their listings um, or you know if it's a property manager, they've got to obviously uh, rent out that property that they've got on their books. Whereas, like you said earlier, we're a boutique company that are able to uh, source opportunities around Australia and it's it's all on an individual basis. Yeah, it's all tailored to the person. If we've got someone out there or anyone listening that's interested in, you know, getting us along to their club or their um, social group or whatever it is, we'll come along, we'll talk to you about, you know, what it costs to hold an investment property, what the tax benefits are. As you mentioned, it's about education. Uh, those sessions we're very open to helping clubs as well we'll often you know provide them with pay for their meals for the night you know sometimes they have a chicken shop or pizza delivery that they do after training or after um, a team selection we're always happy to put on some drinks and have a bit of fun with it we don't like it to be too serious we want it to be informative and interactive especially if we have a smaller group and it's the one-on-one appointment then where it's more about the individual and what their circumstances are. So you're right, that first sort of, uh, if we do anything to a group, it's really about that education and about the big picture. And then when someone comes in for a one-on-one 
uh, session with us. It's really drilling down into their personal circumstance and helping educate them about their situation and developing a plan for how property might be able to help them create wealth in the you know, 5, 10, 20 years ahead. And someone may come back with, well, why would you go to a sporting club uh, to present this education session because at the, a sporting club usually ranges from, you know, they may have a 16-year-old in the team uh, or they may have someone in their 40s, so they're at different stages of life. Why does it work for sporting clubs to hold these sessions? Uh, well, I think it's about, we spoke, touched on earlier, where a lot of people aren't educated about this at all. They don't have a clue. And like I said, I've sat there with a lot of young people afterwards that have come up to me and said, I didn't realise that. That's awesome. I'd go right now if I, you know, had the 70000 I'm going to go home and talk to mum and dad and see if they've got equity in their house and whether I can be a guarantor loan. Um, then also, the, you know, the more senior members of the team, often around 40, 45, they've got equity in their house, they're doing quite well, they're paying too much tax and they need to look at a structure to, you know, go to the next level. So it, we really enjoy doing those, those sessions. If people are out there and you're interested, you know, you can always give us a buzz and talk to us about coming out. Um, we've got our one three hundred nine seven six zero three zero number that we're always happy to, for people to give us touch space on. And um, yeah, we, we really love educating and helping people. It's the only way I know, like we, if we, we'll talk about it in other episodes of individual examples of where we've helped people create wealth. And I just don't know how to do that apart from anything else through property or if they, you know, win Tats Lotto. Yeah, adding on to that, um, I see a sporting club having grown up uh, in one. Um, you know, I'm, I'm completely different to the new generation now that probably do a fair bit of uh, PlayStation and, and computer work, whereas I was down at the sporting club <laughs> growing up in the nets. I was that annoying person um, in the change rooms and things like that and, and running around on a Saturday watching the, the seniors. But sporting clubs have people from... Um, all aspects of life. They've got office workers, they've got tradies, they've got kids, uni students, um, you know, they've got kids in high school coming through. So it, it is a great time to, to learn about it um, and get Capital Edge down to present. And like you said, it's informative, but we do like to have a bit of fun with it. Um, I certainly know the sporting club landscape, so... Um, so do you. You've been involved in, in sporting clubs throughout your life and it's a great place to be. But now people, uh, uh, a sporting club is is the new church, people say, because you go down there and you can lean on your mates. Mm. And we know that people may be having um, some tough times financially because of a housing loan or um, they, they keep having to increase their deposit because the interest rates are going up. But this gives people a different um, aspect to get into their property journey. Absolutely. And I think what you said before, with your local clubs, like I've been involved more recently with Parkdale Cricket Club for quite probably better part of the last decade. And there are people down there who I won't mention by name, but they have said that the cricket club has saved their life. You know, where you said the new church, it's, it's not an exaggeration either. Like, people really get supported by local community, local clubs, the people there. It becomes a massive part of your life and you look forward to training. You look forward to the catch-ups, the social things, the um, trivia nights, the, you know, uh, poker nights and the end-of-season trips and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, I think it's a really important part of society and it's why we get involved at a lot of the sporting club level. Um 
but also, you know, as we said, anyone out there that's listening, if you want us to get involved with your club or your group or just yourself, you want to come and touch base with us, we're always here and happy to have that initial chat. Yeah, more than happy to present to the, the committee uh, beforehand and, and let them know what will be uh, talked about in that presentation. But uh, it's been a another informative uh, episode on the Capital Edge podcast, Jono. It was great to speak about rent vesting and something that I think uh, will continue to grow in the next few years with people uh, having to adjust their um, financial thoughts yep, and, and getting absolutely. into the property market. And as we've seen, it's getting tougher and tougher to, to break into the property market. And luckily, I think we have the answer for a lot of people or the solution to that traditional model, as we said, which is outdated of buy your own home, huge mortgage, pay it off, retire. The other thing I'll close on is, the other thing with that old system is people now I know that get to retirement, they own the million dollar property and they say they're broke because they're getting the pension, they've got no income, they're asset rich, cash poor, then they have to sell it anyway. So we'll, we can talk about that in future podcasts, but yeah, it's been great talking to you all again and hopefully you've got something out of this. Beauty, mate. Another cracking episode. We look forward to being back next week with some more educational tips around the property market. Cheers. Stay tuned. Bye.